In roller derby, holding space is an empowering, often intimidating act of strength and strategy for oneself and or teammates. Holding Space, the podcast, clears the floor for conversations that touch upon race, class, identity, and privilege to amplify stories, build community, and make more connections in the skate world. This is Holding Space with Magical Wheelism. Welcome. introduce today's guest would be like trying to introduce you to Black Roller Derby's equivalent of George Washington. <laughs> You'll understand this by the end of the episode, trust me. TJ Scarbidal Edwards is the rare example of a skater whose retirement accomplishments might eclipse her skating career. That's because in 2011, Scarby founded the Black Roller Derby Network, which today comprises some 12 hundred members. She's also the literal face of Team Side-Eye, one half of BRDN's annual Rollercon showcase bout. In non-derby life, she's a mom, an advocate for autism acceptance, and a published author. Today, Scarby inaugurates the first lineup, a new periodic feature on Holding Space that highlights retired trailblazing skaters of color. She's also the first participant of a brand new segment I'm calling Show and Tell. Want to know more? Guess you'll have to stay tuned. Enjoy. I had no idea that you started out in Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. That was where I first started my derby career. And it was weird how that started because I used to watch the show on A&E called Roller Girls. And I was like, shit, this looks so badass this looks like something i want to do but um i don't see any black girls doing this and the first thing i did was google roller derby in atlanta and atlanta roller girls they were called atlanta roller girls at the time they're now atlanta roller derby came up and i saw queen lujatifa and scatter compton and billy clobberday and i'm a get you and i'm like oh, these are all brgs i was like oh my god like we're here yay so that that really propelled me to to try out because there were already people who had laid the groundwork for me to come. They'd what year are we talking here? 2007. That's dope. Yes, 2007. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> 2007. And Queen Lucia is still skating. Oh, She's I know. She's still an active skater. Yeah, I know because you she's a, she hero. she's a boss. I, she's she's a legend, dude. Like she is so <laughs> dope. And she's a dope ass chick in real life too. Like she's super nice. I've never like, met her in person, but you could just tell. You never yeah, she's she's a she's really, really cool. She seems like she's kinda like um like mild mannered, but she's an absolute monster on a track, man. Absolutely. Oh, I know. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I know you know. Yeah. I can see. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, I know. Listen, my strategy for Queen was run. Like, that's how. I, <laughs> that's how I became such a fast jammer. When I first started skating, I was a jammer, and I was like, whenever I saw her, my I was like, run! I was like, she gets a little piece of you. It's a, it, you're, you're done. It's over. Wow. It's a done data. No, mm-mm. I want no parts of her. Run. <laughs> like, Queen, no. <laughs> Yep. And she stays on my team too. What? She's always on my team. team? No, when I was in Atlanta, she we were on opposite. We were on different home teams, but like for like a 
the team bitch please versus side eye i always want her on team side eye nice. <laughs> always nice i don't want to ever skate against her ever i'm breathing i gotta breathe i gotta, I gotta take my breath she didn't knock my breath out of my body my soul was knocked out of my body i gotta it's gotta i gotta recover <laughs> that's the deal with queen i love her though for real she's a, she's she's so dope and she's a, she's a legend she is an actual legend in roller derby and especially black roller derby she's legendary so how long were you in atlanta for well, I was there for 13 years, but I, I stayed two seasons with Atlanta. And then I transferred to Angel City in mm. 2009. I was with them for two seasons and, and I retired from Derby. Tell me about that. that. Please give me your entire, I feel like <laughs> we, had, it, it, we did it very cinematically. Like we kind of started at the middle. Of the and, and yeah, now. we did. We were about to we do got the backstory. Yeah. Okay. So, 2007, I started with Atlanta Roller Girls. Re- retired from them in 2009. Transferred to Angel City. Skated with them for two seasons, and then um, I retired because I had my son, and I wanted to be home with him more. And I, I had him. I was pregnant. I had him, and it went back to Derby, and it was a lot harder than I thought it was. Some women could do it. It just wasn't something that I could do physically. I, it, I had to make a choice. It's not a choice that all of us have to make, but it was a choice that I made. You know, it was a choice. What that were I your made. options? And, uh, my options were to be gone a lot and not be there for his formidable moments, like in the first like two years, and skate because I'm a single mother, so mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of sort of support. People, there are people who do have a lot of support. They have big families, what have you. I didn't have that at the time. So, and then I tried to go back to Derby in 2013. And um, it didn't, it just didn't work out for me with time-wise. It just, it was, how can I phrase this? I, it just wasn't as important to me to skate. And now I'm, I'm still part of the community. I still announce, I still attend RollerCon. I still, you know, I founded the Black Roller Derby Network in 2011. So I was still involved in derby, just not skating. I didn't have the time to. And, and I just was disenchanted with the sport at that point. And there are people who get like that and then they get, go back to it and give it a break and then go back to it. It didn't work out like that for me. I gave it a long break and stayed broke. <laughs> stayed derby broke. But uh, yeah, I still love the actual sport. It's the politics and it takes so much out of you, time and money. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of derby politics. We know that. That we do. This, you know, because derby is a microcosm of life, of real yep. life. You just gave me the best Cliff Notes version of this entire interview. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote like the abstract. Okay, bye. Okay, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me out. I legit want to like <laughs> rewind and be like, just be like every minute, be like, all right, tell me more about this. <laughs> this, this like, and tell me more about this. It was so good. I will. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what you want to know. Yeah. The truth. So- I'll speak the truth. So bring me okay. So let's let's go. You know, piece by piece. Uh, what? Why did you relocate to to LA from Atlanta? Well, I'm originally from here. Oh. I'm originally from Inglewood, and um, at the time, my dad was having some health problems, mm. and uh, I came back. I'm an only child, so I came back to help my mom out with him, and uh, he's fine now, perfectly fine. Back to being a pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> back to being a pain, a whole pain. And uh, yeah, and I just stayed. <laughs> so I, I never, mm-hmm. I never went back. I went back to visit, but I never. I, I can't go back now because, um, you know, my my son is autistic, and mm-hmm. the best resources for him are here, in the state of California. So there's no way I'm leaving. 
the best and resources for him are here. From from what I could imagine, it must be really it would be a real challenge to uproot his life and to elsewhere, right? Um, Absolutely, because mm-hmm. um, children on the spectrum, you have to have they have to have consistency mm-hmm. and moving moving around all the time and, and making so many changes it, it would not work it would not be good for him mm-hmm. so we're staying here and i want to stay anyway because our governor is the truth <laughs> it's dope that must be nice i can't relate i know i'm so sorry <laughs> i feel so bad for everybody else i'm like damn y'all suck sorry, sorry <laughs> vote for somebody else y'all gotta come here come to california we're chilling over here with a with a governor that hates donald trump and doing everything opposite that he wants him to do and I'm just here for his whole life. So yay. Yay, Callie. My word. Sounds like <laughs> yeah, a haven. <laughs> and the weather and the produce. It, it, this, that's also like oh, an ongoing is... thread of this podcast is me being a California <gasps> file. <laughs> come. Come to here. Come to. I know it's expensive as hell, but listen, you get what you pay for. It's true. In the end, you it's get true. what you pay for here. The lifestyle. The sun. We have the best marijuana and fruit and we chill extra hard and then so you're at angel city what was that Mm -hmm. experience like this what that was around the time that you did you started brtn right not quite um i was actually on the tail i was actually on the tail end of my my derby career when i started the network Mm -hmm. um i was still skating with angel city in 2011 and i started the network in april of 2011. Mm-hmm. So that's when, that's when that whole thing started. Um, it was interesting going from Atlanta to Angel City because the, the team cultures were a little bit different. Angel City at the time was like in the transition period where we didn't really have a place to skate, kind of, not really. We had a kind of a place to practice, but not really. So everything was sort of up in the air. There weren't that many people in the league. I was the only black girl at the time. I was the second black girl ever in Angel City. And the only one I was skating at the time when I transferred from Atlanta. And uh, it was interesting because uh, they were a little bit more lax with like rules and things. It was because they were in that sort of transition period. Look at them now, though. Like you have to go through some growing pain sometimes, you know, and, and figure out what it is exactly your goals are. And they figured it out. And they're one of the most kick-ass league teams, you know, the leagues in, in, the, in the world. So mm-hmm. I'm very proud to have skated with them. I didn't have any bad, me personally, I didn't have any bad experiences with Angel City at all. Um, it, was not, it wasn't terrible and it wasn't good. It was like one of those things where it was like, okay, you're here, yay, let's skate. <laughs> like, I'm not sure how to phrase it. It wasn't, it wasn't bad though, and I loved my teammates. And just the aspect, but what about the aspect? And I'm not like necessarily like digging for a negative experience either. Like your experience. You can dig. (laughs) No, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, if it's not there, it's not there. It's more about like, what was it like? What was that shift? And also I'm curious, uh, was Atlanta a more diverse league in comparison to angel city at that time i would imagine if you were one of two or one of the only black skater right um, and that with with angel city i was the only black girl in the league at the time mm-hmm. when i transferred um mm-hmm. whereas when i was with atlanta i was one of five when mm-hmm. i uh, was drafted yeah there were five of us and then one and then a ref we had a, a black ref too and then they were com- were they comparable in size no not even a- uh, atlanta was a way larger league wow. than angel city when i transferred 
there were there were only like maybe 20 girls, maybe 20 girls in Angel City when I transferred there. Maybe. They didn't even have enough for a B team. It really was just the the travel team and like a what do you call the girls that that replace? Dolls? I can't think of the word. Yes, alternates. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of the word. Thank you. <laughs> and alternates. And uh, that's really what it was. And then when I, I got impregnant, most of those girls had gone. And when I came back, it was a completely different league. And there, wow. were, there were lots of girls. Then. There were like maybe 60 girls then. And uh, it was about the same size. It was a comparable size as Atlanta at, at that time when I came back. With Atlanta, being Atlanta as a city is like, you know, predominantly black. So, and, and I've said this before, you're always like, well, are you aware of how white Derby is? Absolutely. When you are in a city that's 60% black and you go into, you know, a situation that is predominantly white, absolutely you're aware, you know? And, but the thing is, I never had any sort of direct issues with racism in Atlanta. It was also, when we, it, was, it would always be when we went somewhere else. That's interesting. That's where it, that's where it came in because we were in the South. And where did you, you know, predominantly so we play? Yeah, we're like what uh, we were in Mississippi, areas? Mississippi, Tennessee, Florida, Carolinas, you know, Alabama. That's where we were going. Sure. So of course you're going to en- encounter some sort, even if it's an, isn't direct. It's it could be microaggressive. It could be your name being mixed with another number or being called black. My number was fifty one fifty. Being called black fifty one fifty, and I'm wearing green. Mm-hmm. You know that sort of thing. That and or like being ganged up on on the track. That happened to me in Mississippi. And my dad told me, he was like, you better be careful, girl. You going to Mississippi. It ain't, you know, it ain't all, you know, butterflies or roses. Ooh. And I got ganged up on, on the track. What do you and mean they, by ganged up on? Saying, like the coach was saying, stay on 5150. And I'm like, what the? So y'all, okay, y'all can focus on me. My, my jammer has just slapped you four times because you so focused on me. You know, the one black girl out here. Why? That's okay. We won. <laughs> you know, I'll take that though. But yeah, I've been called. <laughs> I'll take I'll take the ass when we put up. Oh, there's my jammer again. Sorry, you so focused on me for whatever reason. You know that happened in Mississippi. You know, and that was also the same place where I was called the N word. Yeah, yeah, unsurprising. But yeah, not surprised. I didn't even let it. I was like, I can't let this. Yeah, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. we in Mississippi. I can't let this move me. You know, and I didn't tell my teammates until after because. They'd have been like, "What the whole?" They would have. They would have been fighting, mm. <laughs> not me. I'm not fighting and getting arrested. I'll be the only one arrested. That was one. That was one experience I'll never forget. My goodness. Yeah. And huh. And I mean, but it's also like moving to California and moving to LA. It's not like you went to all the Lily White like city either. It's not like you moved to right. like I don't. You know. Yeah. It's a. It's another right. very diverse space, even in. Like and Derby in that context is jarringly white at times. Yeah. Right. But you know what mm -hmm. I will say about being in SoCal is that they're they're not just a bunch of white people, but they're also Latinx skaters. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, there's Asian skaters, you know, there's a large cluster of those skaters that are represented now too, you know, with this whole movement, with the representation movement that's happening, you know, like, Hey, we're here too. You know, it's not just, you know, hey, all the black girls are here. No, hey, we're just, uh, the Latin nations, we're here too. You know, Asian skaters, we're here too. The Jewish skaters, hey, we're here too. You know, and everybody deserves representation. Definitely. In your derby career, what would you say is like, like your actual skater derby career, what would you say is your biggest, what was your biggest success, you feel? 
my biggest success as a skater. That's interesting because every I think like I, I've done more in my retirement hmm. than I did I ever did as a skater. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that in Atlanta, my home team, I was the first black roller girl on that home team. They had gone four seasons without having drafted a black skater. And we were there. And I was the first one. And I was like, ha! <laughs> now what? You know, I'm here now. I'm here now, bitches. Y'all gonna have a problem. Y'all gonna have a problem with my team. And uh, there was that. And then um, in Angel City being a lot of times the only black girl on the track. Being able to represent is something I've always been proud of. I, there's some little girl out there that's like, Psh, this is for white girls. And then they see me or Queen Lujatifa or, you know, Freight Train or, or, you know, what have you. And they say, Psh, maybe it's not just a white girl thing. You know, I can do this. That's, what I, that's my goal. You can't see my hand, but I'm raising it. Like, I'm like, that is me. <laughs> <laughs> Lujia had that first experience. Like, I mean, I came a little later, after, way after you retired in terms of like actually starting the play derby. Mm-hmm. So I never got to see you on the track, but yeah, that, it was definitely one of those like mind blown moments seeing not Queen Lujativa, but also Atlanta as a team and being like, there could be Man. one black person on, on a derby they team. so dope. What? I love Atlanta. Phew, they are repping. And then Freight Train was another re- revelation as a jammer being like, excuse me, we can do that well, too. <laughs> like, Listen, the first time I saw Freight Train was at RollerCon, I think it might have been 2014. And she kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, who is that? I was like, who is this? They're like, oh, she skates for, at the time she was skating for Houston, I think. I think right. it was Houston. Yeah. And uh, they're like, yeah, she's a, she's a skater. She, she skates for Houston. And I was like, she's everything. <laughs> like, I was like, I love her. I was like, and she's a nice person too. She's so sweet. She's and nice But person. like, she's a nice you person. see her like, and like in public off skates and it would lull you into thinking that she was just like someone who's going to blend into the wall and not, you know. <laughs> cause any sort of trauma or any sort of drama and then she puts on those skates and she's like her own like she's like her own team she's like here there there here it's a she's another one i always want on my team oh no i don't blame you no she needs no you you have to be on my team that's it nope you're on my team that's it so good so amazing and then, okay, yeah. so tell me what was your, and you may have already said it, and if you have, you feel free to say skip or pass, or please refer to okay. me five. <laughs> no, um, what is your, <laughs> what is your biggest, cha- what was your biggest challenge as a skater? Wow, that's a really good question. I think, I'm a Virgo, so I'm always my worst enemy, my worst critic, and I always push myself way more harder than anyone else could ever. So if something happens and like I, and I mess up or I step out of bounds or what have you, I'm just like, ah, I'm just like, like the, the samurais will stab themselves in the, in the gun. And then my team is like, just stop. You're fine. It's just one jam. Just it's one ticket, one jam at a time. That's what Demi Gore, who was my mentor, he says, she's like one jam at a time. So what? it's over now. Focus on the next time you get on the track. Don't kill yourself every time you, you make a mistake. Cause then we would all be dead if we did that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was one of the things that was my, my biggest challenge. My biggest challenge was, was getting over my own sort of self 
sabotage, I guess. I mean, not sabotage, critique, but criticism, like, like yeah, yeah, heavily, heavily critique. Absolutely. I wanted to be the fastest. I wanted to always be the, the lead jammer. I wanted to hit the hardest. I wanted to be, you know, that one who my, that my team could count on for anything. I wanted to be like a hardcore utility player. Primarily I wanted to be a jammer. That's why I started skating. Hmm. And there were that, that was another thing. There weren't any black jammers. Everybody was blocking. You know, there were there were girls who were blocking and then sometimes jam, but there weren't any girls that were just jamming and said, "I'm a jammer." They say, "I'm a blocker," and I jam sometimes. Uh-uh, hmm. I wanted to jam. That was my thing. So I was like, "Yep, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm not going to just block either." I really love, and I, I get a sense from what you've told me that you identify a void and want to fill it. And, yes. you know, you're like either, you know, you're like, I want to be a black skater because I see none and yep. people need to see people need to. And, and that's your way of serving. I, I see that there is no group, no safe space for black skaters. I'm going to create one. I want to jam because there's no black jammers. Like that's really dope. Scarby. I love that. Um, and so that's a running theme that you just, pointed out to me that like running themes like there's there's something without us okay let's just okay i'm gonna do it instead of complaining i've always been the, the do about it not the talk about it be about it type you know i'm like i'm not gonna just stand here and complain about it what can i do to change this sure you know yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, there's that. There's that. Wow, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so okay, like, talk to me about that pivot after you retired and your decision to continue to be involved and BRDN. If you want to just like tell me how that came about sure. for you. Well, I mean, BRDN came in my brain exactly the way you said it. Um, I was looking on Facebook mm-hmm. for a space for us. I'm like, there has to be. You know, there are so many of us now, there has to be a place here for us. And I did not find one. So I started one. And that, again, I was on, I was on a tail end of my skating career. So there wasn't that much I felt like I could say uh, publicly. You know how when um, something happens and, you, and, and you're, you're active in your league, you don't want to say because you don't want to disparage your league. Or you hear something that's something else that someone else has gone through. And you don't want to repeat it because you don't want to be that person that's, you know, starting drama, quote, unquote. They say you're starting drama. Mm. I said, we need a place where we can all talk. Mm-hmm. You know, we need a place where we can all sit and not worry about being called hypersensitive or saying that we're being divisive or, or saying, why are you making it a race thing? Cause that's another one that always comes up. So why does it have to be a race thing? Because it is a race thing, yep. you know, especially when you're black. It is. Mm-hmm. So when I started it, I had no clue what I was doing. None. Uh-uh. I was like, I'm just going to add all the black people I know. And I told all those black people, add the black people that you know, you know, and we're going to all sit here and we're going to talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the reason why I stayed involved was because, I found myself a little bit more, I had a little bit more freedom to, to, I had more chances to speak more freely about the black experience in roller derby because I didn't have to worry about the backlash because I was retired. So what are you going to do? Kick me out of retirement? You know, so that sort of thing. So I found myself being sort of a mouthpiece. I identify with that so real. I identify with that so so much. (laughs) I'm like, I have nothing to lose. (laughs) I don't care if you don't let me in. And it's like, yeah. You ain't got to. You ain't got to love me. One foot out the door. But you're going to put some respect on my Listen, (laughs) I'm going to speak the truth. This is what's happening. You know, we're not, we're done 
you know, brushing under the rug, we're, we're done sucking it up. There needs to be some changes here. That might be a Virgoian quality too. <laughs> I I, you, yeah, I know because we're both Virgos. <laughs> Listen, you don't hear me. You don't hear what I got to say. What I got to say is right. You know what I'm saying is right. So just let yep. me talk. <laughs> so I found myself sort of being like a mouthpiece. And as much as I say, and I, can't, I keep saying this, I'm not the mouthpiece for all Black people. Everybody has their own experiences. I'm only relaying what I hear and what I know and what I've experienced. You know, and I can do it unapologetically because I don't have a lead to, to uh, sort of answer to. Mm-hmm. I don't have to answer to anybody. You have something you want to say? Let me know. I'll say it. <laughs> There's no microaggressions that are going to come your way on uh-uh, the track no. or in a league meeting. Yeah, that's very mm-hmm. liberating. No. That is. Isn't it's so good? It's so good. That's and that's where I that's where I found myself after retirement. I found myself being like a sort of representative. Like an ambassador. That's what a uh, uh, queen, you know, Honey Brasco. She called. She called me an ambassador. I was like, I'm not. I don't run nobody. I'm just. I'm just relaying. I'm like the messenger. I love it. the spokesperson. Right. <laughs> we the won't be taking questions walking. right now. <laughs> right. I'll get back to you. Your question. Okay. Tell me, and I'll get back to you because I will always bring any sort of concern back to the network and say, "This is what's going on." I'm being asked these questions, or this is what do you all think? I always stick it back to the network. I never wanted to be the one. I never wanted them to feel like I was speaking for all of them and just thinking, just, and just you know, being reckless with it, which was another reason why I picked up a co-admin, Sean Sanders, so she could keep me in check. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I don't want y'all to think I'm just trying to take over and just be, you know, the voice of all Black people, you know. Also it, known it turned as out that way. Delilah but, Decider, also known, right? Also known yes, as. Delilah Decider, yes. Decider, yes. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows her. Uh, Sean Sanders, Delilah Decider, yes. The Rolicon. Uh, maven of the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody knows her. So <laughs> I picked her because I'd run it by myself for about five years. And as, as the network started to grow, I found myself getting overwhelmed and a little bit frustrated. Mm-hmm. So I needed some help. And I also wanted to make sure that there was someone else there to keep me in check, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that I don't go overboard because I'm a pistol mm-hmm. and I needed a flower <laughs> mm-hmm. to sort of balance me out. What were the frustrations? Out, just hearing the same thing over and over, mostly. Gotcha. You know, just hearing the same thing over and over. This person called me this other person's name. This person called me black number. Da, 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 da. This person um, is focusing or, or targeting. I feel like I'm being targeted. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm being told that I'm aggressive and that I should be feared or I'm being instantly feared that I hadn't even talked yet. The, the sort of things that, that black people go through you know, everywhere, you know, walking into a place that's predominantly white and automatically they're on the, they're, they're anxious because they see a black body because they have been taught to fear black bodies, you know? So I haven't even said anything yet, but you already have some sort of anxiety about me. Why? Right. And I just yeah. want to point out that you're, you you all are almost um, nearing your 10th year or your, you know, your decade year in existence. And the fact that you're still, you know, fielding the same sort of concerns is really, is really yeah. depressing. Yeah, I got yeah, it. <laughs> next year will be the 10 year anniversary yeah. of the Black Roll Derby Network next year. And that's it. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm the founder of it, but I don't run it every day anymore. Um, I step down because I want to focus more on autism because my, mm-hmm. my son's autistic, but I still, you know, let my voice be heard, you know, but I try not to overstep, yep. you know, I try not to overstep. I try to, you know, the George Washington way is like, Hey, y'all got it, you know, and, and they're handling it, you know, but 
Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing that there's I think um close to twelve hundred members now. That's awesome in the network, which is like who would have thought there were twelve hundred black people in, in Roller Derby? <laughs> the running joke forever was, oh, there's not any black people in Roller Derby. <laughs> and the other running joke was, huh, there's not that many black people in Roller Derby. You can't even have, you know, a whole a whole line. You can't even have a pack. Huh. <laughs> and then we we snatched all them wigs off with the first bitch please versus side eye bout. Look at you. You're Not like only- we're on the same mind melt. I was about to bring that up. Please <laughs> tell me up what is bitch please bitch please and side eye for, for those yes. who are unfamiliar. Yes, it is the crown jewel of the Black Roller Derby Network. No, I'm kidding. It, it's a huge deal. It's a it's roller so combat. It's a roller combat um where a members of the Black Roller Derby Network team up and skate against each other. So you have a whole team, which is team bitch, please. And a whole team, which is team side eye. And they skate against each other that we did that sort of as a, a clap back because the running joke again was there weren't enough black people to, to fill up a whole team. There weren't enough black people to fill up a whole, you know, line. Huh? We, not only do we have enough for two teams, but we have alternates because and that thing, listen, because every time the sign up sheets go up, they fill up so fast that you have to have, we have 10 alternates on each team. So the very first year that we did it was in uh, 2015. And uh, we did everything inside the network. We set up the, actually, you know, I'll say this, Hammer, Candy Fisher, this was her baby. Mm. Her and Queen Lugitifah, they're the ones who came up with this. And they were like, well, we're going to do it and we're going to do it. Let's do it. So we already had the team set before the RollerCon people said, okay, it's time to submit your, your bouts. And Hammer, who is a cool, cool pals with Ivana Spankin, Spankin, I can't talk, uh, was like, hey, we're doing, we're doing about all black people. Go ahead and put a song. And she said, (laughs) I love it. I'm doing that. It's going to happen. You love to say it. (laughs) Yes. So she got it on the, she got it on the schedule, full length bout, first time ever in history. Both teams are all black skating. Bitch, please versus side eye. It was it was absolutely an amazing experience. I was the captain, and the side eye was me. The picture was me. <laughs> it still is, isn't it? Like it's, it's Samara's iconic. Yeah, Samara I, did the the art. You know, Samara she was on your show too. Mixed hues, um, yeah, yeah, mixed hues. She did the artwork for uh, both squads, and it was my face, which is like iconic. <laughs> Which is ridiculous and awesome. And also, like, it makes, it creates a monster in me. Like, you create a monster. <laughs> like, I mean, why do you do that? Y'all all know I'm already completely stuck on myself and wildly self-obsessed. And then you do this. So now you've really created a huge, bigger monster than, than it's already here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, that was, it was amazing. And it has been going on. We just did the fifth year anniversary at RollerCon this past year. The fifth year anniversary at about, it's still full length. It's still all black. We try to get some more black officials, though. That's great. Um, after that, though, I got a lot of mixed bag, a mixed bag of mail. I got the mail that said, this is awesome. What you guys are doing is amazing. So dope for representation. Then I got the, <laughs> the messages that were like, hey, Scarby, you're a racist. Hey, Scarby, you're divisive. It should be about everyone. And you're creating a division in roller derby and blah, blah, blah. And you know, my response is, stay mad. 
Stay mad about pick it. Right one. Here. Pick one. Side eye right. or bitch, please. <laughs> like, Either which, way. Which response gonna... do you want? <laughs> right. Either what way you want? Work. Yeah. Okay. You can get either one of them at this point. Here's the two first. You can get both of them. Bitch, please, with the side eye chaser. Okay. And you can stay angry for all time. Angry person. I don't care. So I was like, so I posted on Facebook. I'm like, for all you people who are so mad about this. And I went in and then Hammer was the one that was like, ooh, maybe you shouldn't have. You know, we should have just made me just let them stay mad. Maybe you shouldn't, because I went in. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because that's what I do. I'm a pistol. So she was like, yeah, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. So I had to, I, for once, I had to admit that I was in the wrong. I went in the network. I said, you guys. You walked it back? Yeah. I did. I took it back. I went, I went in the network. I said, you guys, I know I'm supposed to be the leader. And you guys are in, moving by my example. Ignore these people, which is what I should have done. I apologize. And I'll be better. So, yeah. So that happened. But, yeah, that happened. And that was the first, that was after the first year. I didn't get any mail after the second, third, fourth, you know, and so on and so forth. Because after that, other groups started coming out. Latin nations came. Jewish roller derby came. You know, Asian Asian roller derby. Then they had their first all Asian about. In uh, 2017, I think. All Asian. So we sort of set the template for for those other groups. And that's something I'm extremely proud of. And, and I got to add, I got to chime in that what people don't see is that there's the catalyst for the need for a Black roller derby network is the is the oppression. Like if everything was hunky dory, there wouldn't be a need for exactly this kind of safe space. Right. Like everyone Absolutely. just sees the Absolutely. consequence or the, the product or what is created, the answer, right. but they don't see the, the, like the, the blow, like, you know what I mean? Like they see right. that, that, that like response, but they don't see that it's because it's, it's in defense basically. <laughs> it's a right, exactly. Like, it's a reaction. Yeah, it this is, is a it reaction. Is a reaction. It's not a something you know, like, ha, let me try to divide roller derby. It's like <laughs> roller derby is divided. Roller derby is gatekept. And y'all are the majority. Every space you are in is, yep. is a space for you, is a mono race. Right. right. Wow. It's the default. Like, you yes. guys are the default. <laughs> and you mad because, you know, one the black people want to be somewhere where we ain't got to talk to you. It's we don't want to talk to you all the time. Yeah. The Jewish people don't want to talk to you all the time. The Latino people don't want to talk to you all the time. No. They want to talk to themselves about their own things sometimes. And you are not invited. Don't be mad. Because you not this don't this don't concern you. Everything does not have to center around you. Yep. It doesn't. And yeah. I not understand that's a hard concept to to grasp because you know, we're talking about generational. We talk about generational curses, you know, in our community. They are they are also dealing with the generational concepts of centered centeredness. Mm-hmm. You know that they are the default. Mm-hmm. Everything has to come through us. Everything is in comparison to us. They are the sun okay. that everyone orbits around. Like. I'm saying, you, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, if you think that that's you know something that you need to unpack and that's something that you need to, you know, resolve and, and reconcile inside yourself, because you're gonna feel a way every time somebody says you can't come into my space. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't feel that way. It's not about you. That's racist. How is it racist when there are a hundred and something other bouts you can be in? 
You want to be in the one bout that's just about us. Why? Yeah. What's Why? racist is is the need for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> if we felt included all the time, there would be no need yeah. for any if, of these things. And if we felt like we had us, that is, it's not just includes included. It's not just like, oh, let's deign to let them in. It's the power imbalance that exists. Right. Your needs and desires always come before, are prioritized before ours. That's yep. also the thing that's also the there's problem. that uh, there's that so you mentioned that you know creating brdn has been one of the things like your biggest success um if i'm not mistaken um, i think it is <laughs> what is what has been your biggest challenge in the post in, in retirement life for you i have a tendency to want to insert myself into things and fix them that's the burger in me if I see something, you know, that looks a little off, I want to get in there and I want to fix it and I want to take over. Mm-hmm. That's been the sort of thing that I've had to sort of not do in my retirement and in, in, in letting go of the network and, and relinqu- relinquishing that leadership role in the network. If something happens, I feel like I want to just go ah, and then fix it. Now I have to, I'm like, like, I have to physically hold myself like, listen, let them figure it out. You know, they got it. Cool. If, if they ask me for counsel, that's when I would put my input in. But if no one's asking me, I'm going to mind my business and see if you guys will figure out. And they do. Everybody's adults, you know? So like, that's been my biggest challenge is not inserting myself, making sure that I sh- mind my business and let that torch be passed and let that torch stay passed. Because I'm not sure if you're familiar with the play Hamilton, but there's a line of George, George Washington. He's talking about, leaving the presidency and saying you guys have to learn how to do it or this whole thing is going to crumble you know so that's where i'm sort of, that's where i sort of am in these moments where i feel like i want to insert myself I'm like nope mm-mm, don't do it the torch has been passed they got it I love you that. know because I, I, i'm so protective over you know the network because it's like my baby <laughs> it's like it's like my little baby but you know again it's it's out of my hands in that sense it's been the torch has been passed. And speaking of passing torches, can we talk a minute about Black Diaspora Derby? Mm-hmm. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I I stand, mm-hmm. I stand so hard for them. Like James Bond, uh, Lauren Kill, Diamond Cuts. Like I'm here for that whole thing. I'm like, yeah, yes, like that yes, y'all representation yeah. kick, and they, and they loud too. I'm like, y'all keep being loud. <laughs> And speaking out and, and encouraging people to speak their minds and encouraging change. And uh, on your questionnaire, you said something about shouting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of the word right now, the phrase. My brain is mush all the time. You're good. You're good. You're fine. <laughs> My phrase is mush. But yeah, that's what I wanted to like talk about because I'm just, I just sit back like, like a mom, like a mommy. Like, I just love them. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so here for it. Yes, and they like um, hit the ground running. I love it. Yes, they did. And I think yes, it's they because they, they come like, from Phew. such a strong foundation from a, a person like you who kind of blazed that trail for them. That's dope. Mm, thank you. It's like, I feel like even before Black Roller Derby Network, there was um, NAACP, which was the National National Association of the Advancement of Colored Pivots. And um, that was a team, an all-Black team that was at RollerCon. And that was sort of what, that was part of my inspiration for starting 
BRD. And so I feel like NAACP gave me the baton and then I gave the baton to Black Diaspora. That's how I feel a little bit. So it's like, I'm proud. I'm, I'm just proud of, of what they're doing in the community, in the Derby community, and as loud as they're being, and they're skating. So like, it's like, we're not just talking. Like I'm doing, I'm just doing all the talking, but they're doing the talking and skating. Yeah. You know, so I'm just here for them. I just, y'all. Yeah. Beautiful. As someone who's kind of taken this sort of like elder sort of like overlooking and seeing and having <laughs> passed the baton. I'm sorry to like make it sound so Girl. like grandiose. <laughs> But like a grandma. wisdom. Yeah. I don't know how else to like Granny Scarby over here. <laughs> like, right? Yes, yeah, back in my derby days, we had two whistles, two sets of whistles. Nana, tell us about when you used to Right? Yeah, no. Exactly. Exactly that. I feel like that with these knees. <laughs> what about, no, but tell me like how, what are other words that you would impart? to this new generation as you stand back as a, as an elder in this role? As an elder, I, what I would say is to stand firm, be firm and be fierce. Say what you mean to me, what you say, because not, because if you're wavering, if you're, uh, no one's going to take you seriously. Stomp your foot, put your chest out when you walk into the room. And when you open your mouth, make sure you're saying something of note because everyone's listening. Mm. They might act like they aren't, but when you open your mouth, they're listening. So make sure you say something that matters. Yes. This is sort of like related, but not for people who want to remain involved and want to do it on their terms. Do you have any words of advice? That's an interesting question. I mean, personal integrity is subjective, you know, and it can be lacking. If you don't have any, I would suggest you find some because you need to make sure what you are standing for is something that you can live with. You know what I mean? Stand for something that you can live with. If you don't stand for anything, then you will fall for anything, right? Right. So make sure you you develop some sort of ethos, develop some sort of, you know, code for yourself. And that's what you live by and make sure you stand fat, stand firm on that. Make those boundaries, create those boundaries, that's right. that foundation. That's right. Yeah, do that soul searching. That is key. That is so great. Okay, so now I've just I've <laughs> come up with a name for for this segment. Uh-oh, what <laughs> that, is it? Well, now I I decided that I'm gonna call this segment show and tell. And show and tell. And you're congratulations. You're in addition to being the first lineup highlight or spotlight you are also the first person inaugurating show and tell and and what show and tell is you're gonna show me something (laughs) and then you're gonna tell me something okay okay (laughs) okay it's as you can tell let me give you a few minutes to like wrap your head around it I know let me I don't know. I, I think you might need to explain it to me further because I don't know. It sounds hardcore. Sounds so I, like rocket science. <laughs> so what I want you to show me or us is your book. I want you to read that excerpt that I asked you. <laughs> so okay, you will so be I, showing us. <laughs> and what you are telling us, hold on a second, uh-huh. is okay. about your advocacy for autism acceptance. Okay. So, All right, I will. show and tell. Okay. Show. First things first. Okay, so I wrote a book 
uh, called The Graveyards on Sunset, Outrageous Hotel Stories from the Third Shift, and it's all true. Um, these stories are based upon my experiences working at this really you know, posh Sunset Boutique Hotel um, over two years working the third shift. I'm an auditor. And uh, one of the stories that was really popular, which I call the Swedish fish, uh, I'll start. It's, um, oh, okay. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do a Swedish accent. It's going to be really, really bad. So don't judge me too harshly. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So it starts. Oh my God. I promise I can't make this stuff up, <laughs> which is usually how I start all my stories. So this tipsy Swedish lady was having trouble with her room key. And she kind of looks like a strawberry blonde mixture of Tony Katane and Kelly LeBrock. Hot. So I come out of the office and she says, hello. Oh, wow, you are gorgeous. I say, thank you so much. How can I help you? Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. I've never seen a face like yours. And I'm like, I'm not sure how to respond to that, but thanks. Have you ever been to Sweden? I have not, but I hear it's lovely. You should come visit me. I will make you the Swedish meatballs. You love them. You really love my balls. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I I burst out laughing. She said, you are serious. And then I talk about my balls and you start laughing. I'm like, can you please stop talking about your balls? (laughs) She says, okay, well, should I talk about my dildos instead? Oh my God, no. Did you remember why you came here? That's my response. Oh, yes, my key is working. So I make her a key, and she thanks me and says, oh, I'll be sure to write you in my will. Okay, I'm going to sleep now, but can I hug you? And I'm confused. I, like, you want to you hug me? Uh, yes, we like to hug the last person we see before we go to sleep. Now, me, I know that's some bullshit, but I did it anyway. So while she's hugging me, she whispers in my ear, Dildos, and you smell nice. Okay, good night. <laughs> and uh, I may have set myself up for that one. Oh, hashtag Swedish fish. Yeah, the Swedish fish. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that wow. was one of the ones that got a lot of tri- a lot of re- responses. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my gosh. How long have you been at your <laughs> job? Happened. Well, I don't work at this hotel anymore. I work at another hotel in Burbank. Um, I've been there over a year. I've been at this hotel. I was at the hotel that this book is based upon for two years. And uh, yeah, I have a, a lot of <laughs> enough to fill up enough stories to fill a whole book. And I don't just have those types of stories. I have celebrities in the book whose names I've changed because I don't want to get sued. Um, my coworkers are nuts, but I'm also working on volume two because I thought that for some reason going to a different hotel in a different neighborhood would be a little bit more chill. Mm-mm. It's a series. It's a series. <laughs> I'm like, really all the nuts have followed me to this place too, oh, because gosh. the hotel is, it's, um, it's uh, close to the Warner brothers studios and the Disney studios. So our hotel has, contracts with those people when they when they're shooting or when they're you know what have you when they come into town they stay at our hotel 
And these people are completely outrageous. I was like, I thought I got away from you people <laughs> in Hollywood. So I'm working on volume two right now. That's going to be coming out pretty soon. And then where can people find your book? On Amazon. Um, it's an ebook. I'm working on print right now, but it's just electronic right now through Kindle. Nice. And uh, all you have to do is uh, uh, search the graveyards on sunset. And the whole title is the graveyards on sunset. Outrageous hotel stories from the third shift by me, TJ Edwards. Yay. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) That's showing. Thank you for showing us about showing us. Yeah, I showed y'all. Showed y'all my balls, my Swedish meatballs. Yeah. (laughs) My Swedish, my Swedish fish. (laughs) Um, And now tell me about your autism acceptance, activism, and advocacy. Well, my son, um, a lot of people know that my son is on the spectrum. He was diagnosed when he was three and he was diagnosed nonverbal, which was really, really hard because there's no one in my family who's on the spectrum and I'm an only child. So uh, everything I was doing, I was sort of winging and uh, I found myself doing a lot of research and attending a lot of events and uh, his school district has a committee that's for parents and teachers and other educators and their job is to advise the school district on what what they can do to make sure that their children's education and opportunities are that they're being treated fairly that they're they're being given the opportunities that they should be given and also to talk about funding and then we have these events once a month where well not since corona but uh the events once a month for other autism parents on how to um, prepare for like an IEP meeting or how to prepare your child's folder with all the information in case something happens. Um, uh, what else do they have? They have a holiday events where there are secrets, where there's sensitive Santa. So there's, everything's quiet and there's no loud music and there's not a lot of colors, things like that. And they also um, uh, offer resources on uh, places like Disneyland and Magic Mountain or, you know, other places that have special entrances or special uh, ticket prices, all those types of things that are provided to parents who don't have access to those things. So that's a committee that I'm a part of and I have been a part of for about two years. And it's a, it's a city thing. It's not, not anything, you know, uh, huge or anything, but it's a big deal to our children. So I just hope to continue to be loud and be a champion for children like my son. How old is your son now? He is nine. He will be 10 in September. Yay. And so, Oh my God. Oh. How, <laughs> how, how have the, um, do you find yourself that you're constantly like needing to um, adapt to his growth and, and his evolving needs as he, as he, you know, ages absolutely <laughs> like yeah absolutely like, um you know, the kid changes. has a team he has he's in special education uh, he's just finished um third grade uh he does uh he was diagnosed nonverbal so he's been in speech therapy for uh this i think this is the fifth year he's no this is the sixth year he's mm-hmm. been in speech therapy uh and he has uh, he also does behavioral therapy so the kid does a lot of hard work mm-hmm. and um what i feel i i I let him take the lead. If he's tired or if he just doesn't want to, I don't make him. Because if I push him too hard, he gets frustrated and then he shuts down. Hmm. But if I don't push him hard enough, there's no growth. So there's like sort of a gray area that I have to navigate and figure out. But he takes the lead. I, 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 let, him, I let him take the lead and I'm just, 
I'm just trying to do what's best for the kid and trying to not screw him up and not be the reason he goes to therapy as an adult. <laughs> that's my, that's, I have two objectives as a parent. Number one is to make sure he outlives me, you know, cause he's a black boy. He needs to outlive me. And so I'm going to make sure that if, if he goes to therapy, that's fine, but I am not going to be the reason. <laughs> Your name is not brought up. <laughs> nope. Nope. It's going to be because of something else. He is Leave not me out of this. Like, my mom, mom. Exactly right. <laughs> so I want him to be like, when he grows up, be like, because we take field trips and stuff and we do cool things and I want to show him all types of things and expose him to different things. And I just want to be, I just want when he grows up to be like, my mom's dope. Yeah. My mom's a dope chick. You know, I want him to, I want him to be proud of me. So everything I do is to make sure that when he is, when he has the cognition, he's like, man, my mom's, my mom's a pretty dope chick. Mm-hmm. You, know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I want him to think that about me and I want him to be a dope person too. That's amazing. I'm sure he is amazing. A dope person right now and he's you know, old. a dope as an adult. <laughs> and will he's be a dope as an man. adult. <laughs> he's it. always trying to tell me what to do. He's like, you know you're not supposed to do this. And you know you're not supposed to do that. I'm like, can there be a day where you not tell me what to do? Like, he's love, always checking me. <laughs> I love he's checking I, me. I love your your Instagram and, and your like the relationship and the posts <laughs> that y'all that you do of like it seems like y'all have like the best relationship and the quirkiest one too. He's so funny. He says the craziest things and I have to like not laugh because I don't want him to think it's always okay to say the crazy things that he says. (laughs) So I'll be like, honey, you cannot talk like that. (laughs) I love it. But you're laughing. Is that funny? Is that funny what I said? Because he's just now, his cognition is not that of a nine-year-old. So he's still sort of trying to catch up Hmm. and recognizing things like humor and sarcasm, he doesn't recognize sarcasm, but he recognizes humor. And if I laugh, he was like, is that funny? Is that funny what I just said? I'm like, yes, it's funny. And then he'll repeat it. Aww. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> He's funny. He I love funny that, it's, that he uh, he recognizes that it's a, an emotion to to want to elicit in people, you know? Like, right. And that's a part, that's really a part of his therapy too. You know, this, he's been in behavioral therapy for, for six years, but as long as he's been in uh speech therapy and it's really helped him is it a one-on-one thing or a group setting it's a one-on-one um they come over well they haven't been since corona but they come over he will come over uh four days a week for two hours a day after school so he would get out of school and go straight into therapy for two hours you know so it's been Uh it's been kind of a blessing that he hasn't had to because he got like a lot of a like a break from it because he has been going hard for years doing this now. It's very it's stimulating, helped. like overstimulating. Right. Or exhausting. I went, I, and I give him a break sometimes. So I'm like, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna have session for like a week. You know, because mm-hmm. we're gonna go pick berries somewhere, you know, or something. We're gonna take a drive, we're gonna go somewhere, we're gonna do something different. I, I, have to, I have to make sure I break that up so he doesn't get burned out. Yeah. No, and then um what I wanted to ask was in you know, you've mentioned a couple of changes because of Corona. How has, yeah. that, how has that impacted y'all and the, the, his ability to get those services that he needs? It hit kind of hard because he was out of school before I was furloughed from work. So he was out of school for about a week before I got furloughed. And then we had stopped services, his behavioral, ser- his behavioral therapy services shortly thereafter. So he hadn't been having, he hasn't had any behavioral therapy in about two months. Luckily, he's at a point now where he does have enough cognition to understand what 
certain things are, he hasn't regressed. His behavior mm-hmm. hasn't regressed. Um, we did homeschooling through uh, distance learning. His teacher would call us every day. Luckily, he adjusted better than I thought he would. He has been doing very, very, very amazingly. And when I say it's time for school, he says, okay, like he hasn't been given any, he hadn't been giving me any trouble or, you know, acting out. He was, I'm like, I'm so proud of him because he hadn't, I was expecting a behavioral change. I was expecting, you know, something a little bit different. So in my, in, inside of myself, I was prepared, you know, but you're bracing for it. Exactly. Right. I prepared Mm -hmm. myself for that, but I didn't have to because he's been great. That's wonderful. Surprisingly. And, and is there is there plans to kind of get those services back in place for him or is there a new Absolutely. Sort of game plan for him? Absolutely. I'm still with the we've been with that company so long now, but but the thing is I have to find another therapist now because in the interim, she got another job in another place. Mm. And we really liked her too. I was like, oh, why? Yeah. So I so I have to find another therapist for him. So that's another sort of thing that I have to do but I'm used to that that happens that's just the way that it goes with this type of you know journey you're not going to have the same person from beginning to end there are there are multiple people who change out and that's okay because what we're trying to do is generalize his behavior so he has the same behavior with different people Mm -hmm. having multiple different people come through is not a bad thing because the goal is to make sure that he's behaving the same for everyone Mm-hmm. So I have to find a new therapist, find someone who who gels with him. And but I really appreciate hearing this because I think that the the disruption to services and health needs have not been a part of the coverage of the coronavirus. You know, right? So, so it's 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 illuminating, and thank you for sharing that. I also wanted to ask: Do you see any sort of like maybe commonality or things that are in common between your advocacy work that you've done in Derby and your autism acceptance advocacy? I feel like that's an interesting, interesting question. Cause when you, when you're speaking from experience, there's a little bit more passion in your voice. I feel like people, when you're speaking, when you become an advocate, it's because you have, you have invested, uh, you are invested emotionally, you're invested through your experiences my advocacy work sort of in derby for for um representation is because i felt the void and there needed to be something said as far as my autism you know not awareness because everybody knows about it but acceptance i feel like i've i've gone about that the same sort of way where not necessarily there's a void but how can i phrase this is it like it fuels you out my thoughts or like, you no, know, I hear you. I'm right. a, sound, it, a sounding board. Right. Yeah, for sure. My, uh, <laughs> I do like that too. The, what, what fuels me, I have a goal. Having the goal helps. The goal in all of this is to make sure that I am making a better world for my son with my voice. This is what needs to happen. This is what we need to do. So, and this is how, this is what I said um, in my interview for the, the committee. I said, it's important for me to prepare my son for the world, but it's more important for me to prepare the world for my son. Mm-hmm. So when he goes out, there's not a shock because the people already know who the type of person or, or the type of experiences or what he's going through, or what has happened with him or what he's, how he's moving mentally. He's moving differently. He's thinking differently. There's a, it's not bad. It's not good. It's just different. So I need to tell everybody else, Hey, listen, this is my kid. He's on the spectrum and he's moving a little bit differently. So you may need to adjust a few things because I'm preparing the world for him. 
preparing you all for him to come out. And there's enough world so for that, all of us. And absolutely. For there's space and for has, everybody. He's walking in this world too and has a right to it. Absolutely. There is space for everybody. And my job is to make sure that when he is ready to take his space, that he feels comfortable and that he does not feel like I did at some point where I needed to kick and scream and scratch and, and holler about it. He's going to say, my mom already got y'all ready. Here I come. I you know, that's my goal. It's <laughs> amazing. It's, is there anything, is there any way to support the committee's work? Not really, because um, we all do it from volunteer work. There's nothing that's like money related or anything. And it's really, really local. It's really mm. small and local. It's really just about us in our school district. But you know um, what? That's so it, impactful. That has like such an immediate and direct change and impact that I feel like, you know, that people kind of don't realize that about the, the hyper local sort of activism. It, right. You can see the results like that. Like, Absolutely. Because there's not so much red tape to, to move through. You don't have to, you know, convince everybody. Exactly. Everybody's in the community. All their children go to school in the community. We are all parents in the community or teachers or, or what have you in the community. So it's really just a community based thing. There are committees like this all over the state. I'm not sure if there are how they do in other, in other states, but I know here there are several small pockets. Of, of people making small changes for their children in the school district. And that's all we can do right for right now. You make small changes that that's sort of worth and snowball into big changes, but we do it. You just, you know, you gotta be eat the apple one bite at a time. Right. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, small changes will become big changes and big changes will become massive changes. And then we won't have to have these communities anymore because that will become the default. That will be something that these school districts already consider before we open our mouths and say, Hey, what about our children? Mm-hmm. You know, we need to be considered as well. That's the goal. When do you rest? Like, how do you breathe? How do you, what is your self-care <laughs> tip for, for all, all, the, all this work that you're doing, like, as a Girl, human being? Tell me. What is sleep? <laughs> it's the most glorious what? thing on earth. It's the most magical thing is that a is that a new band? Is that a new rock band? Sleep? I have no clue yes, what sleep I am, is. I am no. not only a member, I am the, the sleep president. <laughs> You're the president of the I band of sleep, and yes. a lead singer. <laughs> yes. Um, I sleep, well, you know, in my schedule, I work overnight. So I sleep during the day. Mm. And it's backwards from what everybody else is doing. But while my son was in school, it was easier for me to do it that way because he is at school while I'm asleep mm-hmm. and he's asleep when I'm at work. So, <laughs> so I would wake up, he would get out of school. I wake up, we do session. We spend a little bit of time together. He goes to bed. I go to work. I come home from work. He's already off the school. I wake up. He's getting home from school. That's the, the, the sort of routine for us. But um, since he's done with school now, he's on vacation. And this is what we do every year. He goes to summer school, but there's no physical summer school this year. Right. So we're going to be doing home summer school and, my sleep's going to be a little bit less than usual, but also, and this, and um, I'm going to say this out loud because no one knows where I work, but I, I sleep at work. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there's also that um, we, cause we work in the middle of the night and with the hotel being so empty, cause no one's on vacation. No, not, no one's in the hotel room right now. No one's like, on, there's no one there, but us yeah. literally it's just us two, me and my security. So he will take a nap and then I will take a nap and then we will go home. All so those perfectly we, comfy beds, like going to waste. How could you not? We 
<laughs> we don't sleep in the rooms though because no? um the housekeepers no the housekeepers would eviscerate oh. us for sleeping on their perfectly made bed and then uh, no my, my car is very comfy okay. and um we have a, um underground uh parking so it's really quiet you make it you make do i crash like a car <laughs> i sleep no. at work and i sleep in bursts wow. but yeah i used to be that i'll sleep when i'm dead type but I had to realize that my worth, my worth is not measured by how quickly I can run myself into the ground, mm. that I have to take time to breathe. I have to take time to have a drink or to smoke something or to whatever, take a breath. You know, those things I had to do, I have to make myself do because I feel like this has to get done. That has to get done. And I have to go here and do this. I have to write that. I have to do, you know, and nothing will get done because I have to do everything. Yep. Does that make sense? Like, like you have a whole bunch to do, and you're like, I'm not doing nothing. No, that is, you done. are describing my my current my current life, <laughs> right? Like, it's like you're, you know like, I do, you're peering into my apartment. <laughs> I did. I'm stalking you because you're me. No, I write lists now. I am a list queen. I will write down everything that needs to get done. If it doesn't get done in this certain amount of time, fine. Take it to the next day because I'm not going to run myself into the ground. Mm-hmm. You know. Because Xavier needs me. I'm a, I'm the one that he needs the most. I can't not be there. You know, I have to, giving yourself you know. that grace. That's awesome. So like, I like to wrap up by asking, you know, self-care tip and what have you. Do you have another one that you wanted to add or are you going to? I have. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> my self-care tip is basically deep breathing. I mm. do deep breathing exercises, which sounds hippy dippy, but it really does work. Because sometimes I find myself getting so frustrated and so overwhelmed and I don't want to, explode or cry or what have you and, and sometimes it, it helps to cry but I'm a Virgo you know we don't cry so <laughs> so I'll, so I will find somewhere quiet even if it's the car somewhere where there's no one you know around close my eyes and just breathe deep breaths 30 seconds at a time <gasps> like and just go <gasps> literally just say that aloud and just let all of it out I also write you know I write all the time I write my thoughts down and Sometimes I'll burn it or I'll just throw it away, but I needed to get that out physically. I need to physically get what my thoughts were in that moment out. So deep breathing and writing is what I do. Can I just tell you that I saw that I saw that I had, like I drink those yogi teas and they have those messages and I saw one that was like amazing to me and I kind of like I even like took a picture and posted it on my Insta. It felt so appropriate and it goes to what you're just talking about. It says the voice of the soul is breath. So mm. That's heavy. There you go. And true. You know? The so I just, breathe. Yeah. You can't do anything without breathing. So even if you're deep breathing, you're actually like your soul is expressing itself. Like it's, that's dope. I love it. That is dope. I and like then, that. I like that phrase. What would you like to hold space for? So free space for whatever you want to, you know, get off your mind. Hmm. <laughs> I have, at any given moment, there are a thousand thoughts in my head. I want to hold space for decent human behavior, decent human behavior. And this is what I mean. If you are a decent human being, talks about racism, talks about transphobia and and xenophobia and all those other phobias and isms will not be as heavy if you're making space to be a, a decent human being, if you're listening and if you're talking, talk with purpose you know, someone who maybe, maybe not, they don't get it. Have a little patience, have a little bit of patience. You know, I need patience in my own life. Cause I'm sick of these hoes. I'm telling you that right now, 
but <laughs> being making space for decent human beings is what I is what I would love to do. And also in that, find myself becoming a more decent human being. Thank you. And last but not least, who is your MVP? And it could be a person, organization, thing, derby or non-derby related, skating or non-skating related. I already said them. Uh, uh, Black Diaspora Derby is my Yay. MVP right now. Like, I'm, I just love that. I, I cannot stand hard enough for, for this group and everything that they're doing and all the changes that they're making and the voices that they're, you know, amplifying their own as well. Um, I didn't mention Team Indigenous in that group of people. And I wish, and I'm saying it now, they are also an amazing group of people. They're they're amazing, but Black Diaspora, y'all know I stand so hard for y'all. I just love, I just love them. I love the, the board of directors and all the members, and I'm just here for you know representation, especially Black Black people. You know that's that's what I'm here for. So yay, Black Diaspora, Dorby. keep it doing, keep doing what y'all doing, keep doing the things. Awesome. Thank you so much, Scarvy. This is amazing. Thank you for of inviting course. me. I'm I'm one of the cool kids now. I'm part of the Cool Kids Club. I'm in. I'm in now. Y'all can't not. tell me nothing. <laughs> I don't you know. You are. Tell me what this club is. I'd like to join it myself. You started it. You started the club. You got all the cool kids coming and talking about, you know, the things. That's awesome. And you keep doing what you're doing because you're doing a kick-ass job amplifying voices as well. You keep doing, keep doing. Y'all give her your money. You see, I'll be posting every time somebody says, give I always at you. I'm like, give her your money because this, these are the conversations that we need to be having. Thank and you. these are the conversations that people need to be listening to. So congratulations. Thank you so much for holding the space for me and allow me to ramble and talk to your off. No, no, no. This is really, really, this is an amazing and chock full of wisdom and I hope that the youth, the seeds are all <laughs> taking notes. That's right. All you little kids, you sunnies. Hey, sunnies. Yeah. You sunnies, you remember back in my day when, yeah, Grandma Scarby's talking. You guys better listen. Or listen you can to listen Grammy. To like you go to other people. Listen, Grandma, get off my lawn and turn down that racket. <laughs> all right. So you have a good Thank rest of your you. day. Thank you. You too, my dear. Thank you so much. Of course. Bye-bye.